Uh, hey, this morning we're going um, to get into God's Word a little bit. So for, um, for those that would normally, young people that would normally leave the room at this point for your classrooms, this will be, so your classrooms, so your opportunity now to kind of experience a little bit of what your, your parents and grandparents experience each week. Um, you have some drawing sheets. You have, uh, some of you got some children's Bibles. There were, I think Amy Erickson marked those where our reading comes from. So it's Mark chapter 2. Um, you can open to that and kind of read along as we read. But I want to set the reading up this morning, um, and then we're going to enter into it real, in a moment. But So in the early chapters of the Gospels, we've been in some Gospel stories in Lent here. Um, we're kind of being given bits and pieces of Jesus' life. So, he'll have, you know, last week I was talking about a day he had in the synagogue and preaching a sermon there. Um, today we're looking at a healing. He'll, ter- he'll tell a parable as he's kind of walking through a community. Or he'll have a meal with uh, a group of very different kind of people. Uh, church people and very much not church people. And so all these stories are added together. And, and the image came to my mind this week of a mosaic. So go ahead and put this picture. Oh, it's up. Good. I found this mosaic online, and, and really what I, what I think of these early stories, or really all the gospel stories as, if you're familiar with a mosaic, all these little pieces of, I guess this is probably stone, um, added together, make the image. Uh, no, and so in that way, no one, one, no one story in the gospel is insignificant. You can't, you can't tell a whole story with just one stone, and, and, and no one story in the gospel tells the whole story either. So every, every story is important. So each tile, each color, each shape, each texture adds to this grand portrait of Jesus. Um, this God who came to live amongst us, demonstrate God's heart of love for us, die on the cross as we're going to observe and celebrate, rise from the grave, and just usher into existence the, the reign of God. We believe that God reigns over our lives, over the world in which we live, and so he reigns over the power of sin, as we've seen this week, and our hopes and our dreams. And so we look at these stories as a composite image of this is the, this is the God we want to draw near to because he tells us the story of who we really are. Um, so last week, like, like I said, we, we looked at the story of Jesus in his hometown synagogue. And uh, this week, we're going to look at a story from Mark chapter 2. Um, and it's funny because... We were supposed to, if you were at another Bethany location this morning, you'd be hearing from John chapter 2, which is the story of the Jesus changing the water into wine. And uh, I was spending time with God earlier this week and happened to be in Mark chapter 2. And I and just honestly, it could just be what I was eating that morning, which is bacon and eggs, and I have that every morning, so it's okay. But I just felt like this is really the, the story that God wants to share with us this morning at Bethany Northeast, so um, so we'll see what's in that for us in a moment. Uh, but it's this beautiful story of a man who's paralyzed and his friends who bring him to Jesus for healing. And so uh, Silas Columbaro, who's one of our students here this morning, is going to read our scripture. Silas, come on up. And uh, yeah, you go ahead, clap for him. Come on. You can sit up here. And then... Um, There'll be some images that go along for us that are more visual with the scripture. Sorry, they're a little washed out. I'm going to turn these lights off and try and help, help them pop a little more. So, there you go, Silas. 
When he re-entered Capernaum some days later, a rumor spread that he was in somebody's house. Such a large crowd collected that while he was giving them his message, it was impossible even to get near the doorway. Meanwhile, a group of people arrived to see him, bringing with them a paralytic whom four of them were carrying. When they found it was impossible to get near him because of the crowd, they removed the tiles from the roof over Jesus' head and let down the paralytic's bed through the opening. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man on the bed, My son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there silently, asking themselves, Why does this man talk such blasphemy? Who can possibly forgive sins but God? Jesus realized instantly what they were thinking and said to them, Why must you argue like this in your minds? Which do you suppose is easier, to say to a paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or get up, pick up your bed, and walk? But to prove to you that the Son of Man has full authority to forgive sins on earth, I say to you, and here he spoke to the paralytic, Get up, pick up your bed, and go home. At once the man sprang to his feet, picked up his bed, and walked off in full view of them all. Everyone was amazed, praised God, and said, We have never seen anything like this before. Thanks, Silas. Uh, I want to just draw, I'm not going to go as long as I normally do. (laughs) You can clap, no. (laughs) Um, I want to draw three lessons, and they'll be very brief um, from this. And they're from three phrases. Um, And again, this kind of came me on Monday morning, So, and I've been kind of sitting with this all week. But here are the the phrases. When Jesus saw their faith, I'll talk about that briefly. Uh, Why must you argue like this in your minds? And then this final phrase that ends the story, we've never seen anything like this before. We're going to look at those three things, okay? So first, when Jesus saw their faith, this is the faith of the friends. And we have a really amazing portrait of faith. And we are talking about faith here this morning. Faith is a thing that we talk about on Sunday in the church. You probably don't talk about it at Amazon that much or Boeing, or maybe, or um, Starbucks, or wherever you work. Faith is something we talk about here. Um, But it's interesting that Jesus affirms the faith of the man's friends, not the faith of the man. And that tells me something really important, um, that being a part of a crowd surrounding Jesus, there was a lot of, there were so many people in the house surrounding Jesus that the man and his friends couldn't get to Jesus in a conventional way through the door. Being a part of that crowd, we're part of a crowd right now, is not the same as being a disciple of Jesus. Just because you came here this morning doesn't mean you're a disciple. In other words, the crowd is standing and observing what Jesus is doing. Disciples of Jesus, his four friends, commit themselves to action. Faith is a commitment to getting close to Jesus, closer and closer and closer to Jesus, finding an opening to Jesus in your life, even if that opening cannot be found right now, by removing whatever obstacles in front of you, even if that obstacle is a roof, in order that you can get to Jesus, no matter what, no matter what the cost or the consequence. So here's the first lesson. Listen. 
Faith is first and foremost not knowledge or merely knowledge about Jesus, but active trust that Jesus is sufficient for your deepest needs and your deepest desires. Every one of them. Jesus is sufficient for those things. You don't need to go anywhere else and get anything else. Jesus is enough. And you'll do anything you can do to get Jesus because of that reality. Which is why Jesus is not offended by these men removing the roof. (laughs) He's actually encouraged by that. He loves the idea that they destroyed this man's roof, probably a friend of his, and that he was going to have to deal with that, pay for it, and do whatever. He looks at that faith with admiration because it's a demonstration that um, these men love Jesus so much. So here's a couple implications for us. Number one, the kind of faith that Jesus affirms is audacious. I mean, removing a roof, think of this for a moment. For the young people in the room, if you were to do that with your parents' roof, you might get in a little bit of trouble. Uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's crazy when you think about it. Uh, most of us would not, are not going to go home, especially in rainy Seattle, and, uh, and tear away a roof in order to get through into a house. Uh, we would wait. If, if Jesus is in that house, tell Jesus was done with his talk, and then maybe stand at the door and get, hopefully get his attention on the way out. Sort of like if you're at an NBA game, you're hoping to get the attention of LeBron James or Dwayne Wade or whoever it is. As they, hopefully, maybe I can get the, his attention right now. Uh, or you'd push your way to the front. Uh, or we come up with a plan B. Well, I guess if not Jesus, I'll go to the other guy. Maybe he's available. He's got a smaller audience right now. and Maybe he can do something for me. But these guys do the most ridiculous, audacious thing. They remove this roof because they have to get to Jesus. It's, it's foolish. Uh, it's an active belief that overcoming those obstacles uh, are exactly what need to happen in order to, to receive healing. Um, is it, so is that your kind of faith right now in God? Um, what kind of faith do you have in Jesus right now? Do you ha- are you removing the obstacles between you and Jesus? Are you settling? Are you thinking of plan B, plan C, plan D? Uh, have you settled for a certain kind of experience with Jesus? A certain degree of wholeness. Oh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm okay. I'm doing okay. I'll settle for that. A certain degree of freedom, a satisfaction with God. See, we're being called to more audacious and more foolish faith every day. So, you know, you're caring for an aging parent right now. Some of you, I know, are doing that. And you're wondering, is this it? Is this, the rest of my, is this the rest of my days? Is there a step of faith that Jesus is calling you toward right now as you care for that person? We're tearing away a roof. Uh, you're struggling with meaning in your career. You're, you're wondering, is there more than this every day? It's like a Dilbert cartoon for me. I... Uh, you're plodding along and wondering, man, is there more meaning in life? Is there a step of faith? Ridiculous faith. Uh, some of you are facing doubts in your, in, your, in your own journey with God. You've been walking with God your entire life. Come to church, reading the Bible, praying. You're part of a Bible study, and you're wondering, is there, this is, man, I just don't know anymore. Is there a step of faith? Active belief in God 
that they're, I want to get closer to Jesus, and there's got to be ways, God. You're getting, you've received a diagnosis. Doctors are saying, this is it. Here's your end point. We can do nothing for you. Is there a step of faith? I've seen people take steps of faith in this community, in their marriages, in their parenting, as their students, as their learning. I mean, there are so many ways to apply this in our lives. Most of us think that audacious faith is the faith of a superhero or a saint, like the faith of monasteries, the faith of pastors, religious professionals. These men, these four friends, they might be women too, show us that it's not. It's just ordinary, everyday people who have time, energy, capacity to carry a friend, a burden, to Jesus and do something really ridiculous. Faith is not otherworldly, superhuman. It's everyday, ordinary, active belief in God, in the, in the warp and move of your everyday life. Um, and notice, by the way, the faith re- required them to get their hands dirty, to dig through the uh, roofs in that time were dirt, dirt and mud. And, and, and they showered the dirt down on Jesus probably and down on the guests below. And so dirt in the Bible is a sign of our beginnings. We were created from dirt. We'll return to dirt. Our ordinariness. Dirt is also an ingredient in Jesus' healing very frequently. So you remember the time he's uh, freeing the woman who had been accused of adultery and he gets down and draws in the dirt? Do you remember that? Hmm, interesting that Jesus would take time to do that. Remember the time he heals a man who's blind and he takes time to spit in some dirt and then rubs it on his eyes. Twice, actually. For us, that seems ridiculous. <laughs> For Jesus, it's not insignificant because it shows us that the things we're facing, the obstacles, they may seem ordinary to us, but they're actually the ingredients God wants to use to bring healing to your life. So would you begin to dig into those things with courage and boldness? That's faith, okay? So the other kind of faith that Jesus affirms here and blesses is the faith of his friends, this man's friends. So it's audacious faith, and it's the faith of his friends. Notice that the paralyzed man isn't healed because he makes a confession of God. It's not him. It's not his faith that Jesus affirms, at least initially. And that's crazy, if you think of it. Because if you're needing healing right now, if you need God to break through in your life, if you need something to happen... It's more than likely going to be the people surrounding you right now, youngest to oldest, they're going to cause that. That The practical steps of others in your life are what bring you closer to God. That's what this is telling us. This is why the Sansom story is so powerful, why we get to sit with it, because it was people showing up, calling name them, and it's been, been many more people, uh, befriending them, walking with them, contributing to their story, being a part of that. That's, that's the faith of friends. And Lex and Judah will, will have markers in their life of this day, but many days before now and be, many days after of God's presence because of people. It's also a lesson we can learn from this shooting on Wednesday. We have a chance right now to befriend this community we, we live in. It's a catalytic moment for us, unfortunately, where we realize that the church of Jesus are simply friends that... Uh, we befriend people on the margins of society, vulnerable, lost, lonely. We stand, we rip off the roof of anything preventing others from knowing God. And so this, like I said earlier in the service, is a critical time of discernment for us, 
a moment, just a moment, where we ask God, how are you calling us to befriend Lake City? Those that are most vulnerable, those that are most lost, most suffering, lonely. I mean, this man was, uh, who perpetrated this was, was deeply broken and lonely. He needs friends. Desperate, and there's many more like him in this community. Would we be those friends? So I want to invite us just right now into a season of prayer around that, uh, just as a pause, just to ask God, hey, like I said earlier, how are you inviting us into your story? Right here, okay? Here's the second thing. Uh, this verse, verse eight, why are you arguing like this in your minds? Um, so this is to the religious leaders in this, this gathering. And uh, I want to put us on blast right now a little bit. That would be us. <laughs> we like to think of ourselves as the guy getting lowered or the friends. And I just want to say, for me, many times, I'm just sitting around close to Jesus, eager to hear from Jesus. And oftentimes, there's so much noise going on in my head. And Jesus says, why must you argue like that in your mind? See, they're gathering around, they're listening, they're, but they're deeply offended at what something Jesus said, which is, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say initially, you're healed. That came later, remember? Your sins are forgiven. We have to remember that's what Jesus is all about, liberating us from our bondage to sin, death, and the devil. It's the thing he, only he can do. Healing is definitely something Jesus can do. He's also equipped others in our community to do that, but, but only Jesus can liberate us from sin, death, and the devil. That's why he came. And so they're mad because they think to themselves, oh, wait, how can he do that? They don't believe in Jesus, really. They just want to be close to Jesus. Um, he's just another rabbi to them. He's got some wisdom. He's got some knowledge. He's got maybe some good stories. Um, but what kind of authority does he have, really? I mean, he's, he's, he's destroying their religious system right now. And so they have this the profound internal debate over his authority over sin. And he says, why must you argue like that in your minds? You're... Here's the implication. Jesus wants to turn off the, the white noise in your heads, in our heads. The noise distracting us from seeing what he's doing. Really, what he's doing. These men have so much noise in their heads, they cannot, Jesus is right in front of them, they cannot hear or see what Jesus is actually doing, just freeing a man from paralysis, from bondage to sin. They can't see it, the noise is so loud, the noise of religious formality, it's got to be in a certain place at a certain time, the noise of tradition, well certain people have to do it in a certain time of year, the noise that of authority and control, that means if, if Jesus can do it, and then he equips others to do it. We, don't, we aren't necessary anymore. We might not. They're afraid of losing control. So what's the noise in your head right now? What's blocking you from hearing Jesus? Is it the noise of insecurity? The noise that you're a failure. You'll never be anything. The noise that you'll never get anywhere. Uh, you're, not, you're not worth anybody's attention. God doesn't love you. You've blown it too bad. Jesus wants so badly for you and me to witness what he's doing in our lives. Um, And all we have to do, this is it. All you have to do is give Jesus your undivided attention. So how can you listen to Jesus and just give him your attention long enough to see that 
He loves you. He wants to free you. He wants to bless you. Uh, earlier this week, I had an opportunity to do this reluctantly with a dear friend of mine, go away for the day. Reluctantly because I, by the end of the week, this is Friday, I'm, though I'm an extrovert, I love being with people, I, I hit full introvert mode on Friday. I want to be alone, like fully alone. And uh, so going away with a friend, though sounds like a great idea, just was kind of like, oh, I don't want to do this. And so we go away. It was a day of time in the word, prayer, solitude, silence. I actually told my wife, she asked me in the afternoon how to go. I said, it would have been exactly what I did at home, but I got to do it with a friend. It was such a refreshing day. And here's the, here's the big thing, the big takeaway from the day. I just gave my attention to God for the day. That's all I did. I got to lay on a dock, look at the sky, and just wonder, God, what are you doing right now? I got to be in his word and pray for hours. And some of you think that's a mountain too, too tall to climb. Maybe it's just a, a short walk around Green Lake. Maybe it's just 15 minutes you ask your spouse, hey, can you just give me a little time? I love what Colleen said. Just have a friend take care of kids for a little bit. You've got lots of neighbors here that would love to do that. Just get some time with God. Give God your attention. Jesus is saying, I want to take you so much deeper than you've ever gone. I have so much more for you in your life, but you have to give me your attention in order to see where that's going to go. Just like the man on the mat. So that's the second thing. Here's the last thing. We've never seen anything like this before. Verse 12. So the man's forgiven. He's healed, told to get up and walk. I love that image of him getting up and walking. Go ahead and throw that one back up. Something to look at. It's a little washed out, but... uh, it's always been interesting to me in this story that this man's told to carry his mat with him. Isn't that fascinating? See, this mat, mattress, this is kind of a rendering of it. It's a mattress in this picture. It would have been like a thatched mat back then. Is a sign of his paralysis, a sign of his weakness, a sign that he spent many years on, in his bed begging for help. Why does Jesus say to him, get up, go home, but make sure you take that with you. It wasn't say, hey, clean up your mess. It was, I think, Jesus is inviting us to carry our weakness and our brokenness with us and use them, not, to, not, not be used despite them. He's going to use, remember that scripture? When we are weak, where we are weak, Christ is strong. It's in that, it's through that, that the truth of the gospel is expressed to others in your life. It's your weakness. Jesus says, carry that. Put it on display. Uh, be like that man who was healed, who goes to his community and says, hey, come and see the man who, told, who healed me, who, who freed me, the woman at the well. Come and see the man who told me everything about my life. Yeah, I'm broken. But Christ is whole. So here's the deal. All that happens to the man, he's skipping and running home. People are watching him and witnessing this miracle happen right before their eyes. And here's what they say, my paraphrase. Wow. That's it. Uh, I heard from somebody that's an upside-down awe, you know, like, wow. Like when you're in awe of the mountains and you're in awe of the sunrise and you're in awe of something, it's just a wow moment. And I love that because... That's the response God's calling us toward today. 
Anne Lamont, who in her little book on prayer called Help Thanks Wow, she calls those the three great prayers. Help when you, when you come realizing that you're not adequate to save yourself. You say, God, save me, rescue me, turn my life around. Help me, please. I can't do it. And we've all prayed help. And then thanks when we receive the help we prayed for. Hopefully, our response of gratitude, that's the response of the person who understands there's a force beyond them that's working in their life. Thank you, God. I didn't deserve that. But wow, this is interesting, is the prayer we pray at times when the inexplicable happens. We cannot explain it. We didn't pray for it. We, we can't really thank God for it because we weren't looking for it. Here's how Anne Lamont puts it. I'll finish with this. Wow is having one's mind blown by the mesmerizing and miraculous. It's the recognition of gorgeous, amazing things coming into your life when you simply pay attention. This happens, she says, more often than when we have as little expectations as possible. Like if you're saying, well, that's pretty much what I thought I'd see, you're not wowing, Uh, you probably need to get back to help. (laughs) You're in trouble. And then she says this, astonishing material and revelation appear in our lives all the time. Let it be unto us, so much is given. We just have to be open for business. We just have to be open for business. Are you open for business right now? Are you going to let God wow you with what he's doing, the miraculous, the amazing, the mesmerizing? Are you paying attention? God wants to wow us right now. I think we've been wowed this morning a little bit. Um, I want to invite us to continue to allow God to wow us this week, paying attention to what he's doing. And I'm not talking about the Olympics or the Cascades, though those are wowful, wowing. It's going to rain this week, though, so whatever. But what God's actually doing around us in relationships and in community. Let me take a moment to pray. I'll invite our worship leaders, lead worshipers back up, all the students, Andrew, Dirk. And I'll just lead us out with prayer. God, thank you for this sweet, sweet time of worship. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to stand in your presence, to sit in your presence, to listen in your presence, and do it amongst faithful people. Thank you that you've given us faithful people in our lives. You remind us of your goodness to us, your desire for us. Friends, God. God, some of us are are the paralytic today. We, We need friends right now. So I pray for those that feel alone. God, would you break through loneliness right now in our community? Would you bring people alongside those who are lonely to walk with Walk with those who are lonely to carry them in their burdens. God, some of us, you've given audacity. (laughs) That's just part of who we are. And yet, we haven't applied that to our everyday life, where we work, our relationships that matter, our faith. So, God, give us that courage to break through, God, this week. Tear the roof off. Come close to you. All of us, God, are called to wow at what you're doing. So we take time now, God, to worship you some more. We ask your spirit to bring a sense of awe into our midst. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.